everybody. Welcome to the Rude Horror Podcast. I'm Marcus Rude, and today is going to be a cold-ass episode for me anyways. Uh, I'm recording this shit out of my garage when it's like close to zero degrees outside. Tomorrow afternoon, uh, actually at noon tomorrow, Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, I should say, it's going to be like negative 10 degrees outside, so... Needless to say, it's pretty fucking cold. It's almost 12 here, Saturday night, and I'm out in my garage. I got this little tiny-ass space heater. It's not really even space heater. I mean, it's a little tiny portable heater, and it's barely keeping my feet warm. But uh, I'm, I'm from the Midwest, so I, I expect this cold weather. But uh, this is probably... <laughs> The first time I've recorded this show out in my garage in the dead of winter. And I'm going to be talking about the movie called The Chill Factor. So this is like legit uh, horror movie coverage, if you will, for a movie called The Chill Factor, a.k.a. Demon Possessed from 1993. Uh, I should say it was released in 1993. Um, It was originally made in 1988, but no one would pick it up. So uh, it sat on the shelf until AIP came along and picked it up five years later, making it 1993. They released it as Demon Possessed. So I don't know what what you would call, um, you know, the original title being the chill factor or demon possessed uh being released wise it was demon possessed so uh you know the first title of this film was called demon possessed and then in some other countries it was called the chill factor and uh you know if you watch the arrow blu-ray the arrow video blu-ray of the chill factor uh if you you know you dive into the uh, commentary and the interviews with uh, some of the um, people that worked on the film, uh, especially like Hank Carlson, uh, this, one of the special effects artists for the uh, for the Chill Factor, he has quite a bit to do with the uh, Arrow video bonus features or extras, and he talks about. Uh, he had the original work print on VHS and it was actually titled The Chill Factor. So I don't know if this film was actually called The Chill Factor before it got picked up by AIP. I almost think that's, that's what it, you know, that's how it went down as, but, uh, you know, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but, uh, I'm pretty sure The Chill Factor was the name on his work print and then, you know, ended up being demon possessed for a lot of years and then uh when Arrow Video decided to pick it up it kind of went back to uh the chill factor so uh I don't know that's still kind of up in the air I you know I can't say 100% on uh what the original title was uh but I'm just going to go with the chill factor because I'm filming this in uh or recording this in pretty fucking uh cold temperatures so it's giving me a chill factor for sure so like 
before I get any further, I just want to say I'm going to have fun with this episode. Uh, it's Saturday late at night. Uh, the wife and kid are going to bed, so it's my little free time that I do have. Yay, me. So I'm having a uh, couple beers and some apple pie moonshine from uh, Smoky Mountain Moonshine. So it's it's legal shit, but it uh, it's definitely some good shit. It's no no ad or uh, whatever you want to call it. Little plug. It's just it's a little plug, but I mean I'm not getting paid for it or whatever. I'm just having a good time, and I want to talk about a horror movie that takes place in the winter time. Even though it was released on July 28th of 1993, which is an odd time to release this kind of movie, <laughs> you know, it's it's a dead of winter movie, really. And they release it in like the hottest part of summer, you know, towards the end of July. It's it's pretty hot, you know. You get you get to uh, end of July, early August, gets pretty freaking hot, at least for the Midwest where I live at it it gets pretty damn hot that time of year so that's and this was filmed in Wisconsin so if you just kind of consider this like a midwest film in general it's just it's just an odd time to release a movie but uh whatever right I mean this this film's kind of like whatever like it's just it's kind of all over the place in the sense of uh just the craziness of the story and i'll get into that later on in this episode um if you kind of wonder what my thoughts are on this movie uh i don't hate it but uh i am one of the guys that is going to say that this film i felt was a little underwhelming and in the sense of uh, you know, this, before I, I, uh, talk shit on this movie, I'll, you know, I'll talk shit on some of the aspects of this film, but there, there are some that I do like, so don't think that I hate this movie. I, I don't hate this movie, but, uh, there are some things that I thought could have been better about it. And one of them being, uh, the special effects. I wish... There were more special effects. And when I say that, I'm not talking shit about the special effects in the movie. Because I thought the special effects in the movie were actually really good. I did like what I saw. But I just thought we could see some more. And like what I mean by that is... Uh, you know, when you watch this film, you might kind of maybe agree with me. Like there is just maybe a few segments it kind of felt like that there are special effects and uh, you know when the demon possession happens i just kind of wish we kind of saw more uh visualized demons rather than uh consciousness demons in the sense of you can kind of see when the people become possessed, you can kind of tell just by uh, the way they act and their their misdemeanor uh, faces and just uh, some of their gestures and just, you know, the way that they act. 
makes them seem like they are possessed. And you can see that, but I kind of wished that it kind of had like a Night of the Demons kind of thing going on where you could actually see them as a demon, you know, rather than just uh, psychologically see them as a demon. Like, a, I don't know, for being a horror movie, you kind of just want to see that happen, you know. Um, so, I mean, it it could go either way. I don't know if that's just me being picky or just, you know, it's just it's just my thoughts. Like, you know, if I'm going to watch a horror movie, I kind of want to see uh, my fucking demons, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, getting back to, like, uh, some of the things that, that I did like about it. You know, like, yes, like, the special effects in this are fucking awesome. Like, you know, some of these kill scenes are very creative and... Uh, you know, I, I, w I was going to talk about this later on the episode, but I guess I'll just talk about it now because this is like one of the highlights is, uh, uh, you know, in the, whoever's choice it was, the filmmaker's choice, the cameraman, director, whoever, the choice of lighting during these kills was just perfect. Like, uh, the icicle kill, you know, uh, if you've never seen this movie, you know, spoilers there's gonna be spoilers in this episode so uh before we get any further i just want to say you can watch this for free on tubi tv so if you you know if you want to stop the episode and go check it out before watching check out the chill factor on tubi tv and uh but anyways getting back into the movie um like the icicle kill where uh the dude gets the fucking icicle, uh, you know, slips and falls on the ice and fucking gets an icicle through the fucking skull and his eye socket. Uh, I thought the, the, the lighting on it really helped the special effects make it look real. And I, I dug that. Like, I, I thought that was really well done. It's probably my favorite kill of the movie and probably a lot of other people's favorite kill of the movie because uh i think the only other kill that was decent was uh the dude with the minnesota vikings hat uh well he was like on like the football squad of the minnesota vikings the story uh depicts him as that type of character uh and by the way minnesota vikings is my team so kudos to uh where the filmmakers are for having him have a Minnesota Vikings hat on. Cause I dug that. And it's ironic because it's filmed in Wisconsin. So you thought maybe there would have been a Packers hat on there and maybe change the story of that. But I don't know whose idea was to have a Minnesota Viking as a character because, you know, they're kind of rivals. So I don't know. That's kind of an odd choice, but Hey, I dig that for me being in Iowa and, uh a horror fan and watching this i dug it so if that <laughs> if that was the kind of criteria you're looking at for uh for pleasing the crowd uh i think i think you accomplished that for me but um yeah like his, his kill though uh when he's trying to search for help uh you know kind of all over the place but uh you know like you know, I'll just say his death was was pretty gruesome too, and uh, was was pretty cool. 
Um, I just kind of wish that the death scenes were, uh, I don't know, the the other half. Just kind of seem like, you know, you use your mind, your imagination as to where, what kind of happens to them. Which, I mean, I get it. I get it. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to pick on them too hard for it because, uh, you know, I, I do give them a pass for this because knowing that they had to do all the special effects in like, you know, close to like negative 20 degrees outside, uh, that's gotta be pretty fucking hard to do. So, you know, I give them credit for, for what they, they did do. As opposed to like not as much. So I mean you know. I kind of figure that's why they didn't do more special effects type of stuff in the movie. It was probably because you know. The weather probably played a, flat, a fact in the matter. Because negative 20 degrees outside. Uh, you know. Upper United States in the winter time. You know. The setting is in the winter time. And uh, you know. It, it's really got to be hard to be able to apply those type of appliances and make sure that you get the right appliances on your body that's going to be safe for the people, which I know they kind of uh, ran into some issues there. There's been some, you know, a lot of apologies with uh, one of the actors that actually got uh, some stuff in his eye that uh, really irritated his eye, and he actually had to go to the hospital because he almost went blind because of it. And, you know, I'm I'm sure he probably got uh, everything he needed to uh, hear about to, you know, make everything okay. And, you know, I don't know if he got any payment settlement or anything after that. Blah, blah, blah. But uh, cut this story short, he uh, got some, like, uh, some liquid in his eye that happens to be in the same line of uh paper film uh liquid you know like uh like photographers used to uh use like the red light and then they did the the film in the the solution and they let it sit in the red light to develop uh apparently at the time they used some of that type of liquid in with their um solution for uh blood or like you know blood for something i don't know i don't know too much detail about it but somehow like that got into the solution where uh one of the actors would actually put that in his eye to make it look like his eyes were bleeding and uh yeah you know go figure it uh irritated his eye he had like some kind of re- allergic reaction or just you know some type of irritative reaction to it and yeah that was not not a good thing for him and you know i don't know like the the whole story so i mean i'm sure uh some type of you know compromise you know came along with that and you know i'm sure he's probably well off uh you know compensated or whatever for it uh you know, don't come after me. I'm just hearing what I've heard. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, as far as I know, that's probably like the only thing that I know of that was like 
a really big issue you know the weather and then you know but that you know that comes full circle with what i was talking about was the uh how hard it was to do the special effects makeup in a harsh environment like this uh i you know so i you know i just say kudos to the special effects team and the makeup team for pulling off what they did uh because what they did was was awesome in the movie like i i really did enjoy what they did pull off i just felt a little underwhelmed for the lack of it for this horror film but you know like i said i i totally understand uh you know like me sitting in almost zero degree weather i can only imagine that being like 20 degrees lower that yeah it would be hard to fucking uh work in this type of environment in the middle of winter in uh, in upper wisconsin i totally get it so that's that's my little rant about that story i guess (laughs) but yeah i you know i think the original title was probably the chill factor and then you know they're just having trouble selling this film as the chill factor and then just kind of sat on the shelf for a while so to speak and then uh aip released it on vhs as demon possessed and uh in laserdisc which uh hank carlson shows his laser disc laser disc on the uh era video uh interview extra type thing that's on there which you know i should mention uh this is how I watched it was on the Arrow video. I had picked it up during a Arrow video uh, like winter sale during November or uh, Dece- December. And I've always uh, was intrigued by the cover of this. I've never watched it before, but uh, I always liked uh, the premise of it being uh, The Exorcist meets the Winter Olympics as uh some of the uh reverse quote has put which i will say that's you know th- that's a high praise for a statement i i wouldn't say that i'm sorry to say but i, I you know i wouldn't say it's exorcist meet the winter olympics that's kind of a far stretch is as my opinion uh but don't get me wrong i mean it's it's a great winter setting horror film where one of uh the injured party gets hurt during a snowmobile accident and they have to seek refuge at the nearest place because it is apparently it's supposed to be miles away from uh any town or civilization so they get lucky and find like some type of uh campground so to speak that we find out has been used for uh satanic rituals <laughs> which we'll get into that but uh but yeah you know so like you know it it is it's a very good story i really dug the story uh just some of the uh executions i thought you know could have been better but you know for for what it is i did enjoy the movie there wasn't like uh there wasn't a moment where I thought like I need to shut this shit off and watch something else. Like, you know, like it, it still kept, uh, 
kept enough good story and uh, visuals for me to, to keep watching it. So there's there's some more positivity for you. I'm going to take another drink of some of this apple pie moonshine here. Keep me warmed up. Ooh. Whew. Some good shit. But, uh, so I'll just kind of give you, like, the, a little summary that I wrote for this film. The summary of the chill factor follows a group of snowmobilers who become trapped on a lake after a terrible snowmobile accident. And they are forced to hold up in an abandoned camp. What they don't know is that the camp was once used for a satanic cult for its rituals. And it still holds the demons inside and they awaken it by using a spirit board while they were bored apparently and that uh brings these spirits to one of the party members and uh the spirit starts killing them off who will survive so you know that's that's kind of the premise of this movie in which it's not really a bad premise because it's it's kind of got like an evil dead vibe going on so to speak to where there's there's lack of uh the outer world there to where it's pretty much the party that's there that's the only help that they're going to get i mean they're going to have to travel by snowmobile in the blistering cold and maybe not even know where they're going to be at because they don't know, you know, maybe, you know, not everybody's going to know which way to go to the rest of the world or, you know, to civilization. So this is the perfect setup for a horror movie. You know, you're, you're pretty much isolating your victims and, <laughs> you know, I mean, the other side of the story could be is, well, why the hell is there a, a satanic ritual going on at this uh, Bible, like, Bible camp, like, spirit, you know, religious uh, campground type thing? It's kind of like almost like a Bible camp place. But, uh, you know, some some of the uh, the people in this movie, they find out that... You know, this was kind of like a Bible camp place, but there's some darker secrets held here to where they were actually doing like satanic rituals and uh, they find like some kind of like Haiti spirit board and, uh, you know, one of the African-American actresses talks about how like she had heard of this type of spirit board and that her grandma had spoken about this type of you know spirit board so it just you know happens to uh be cohesive with the story that's being portrayed um that's like uh evil eye or like snake eye or something like that i think it's called like evil eye is the spirit board and uh it's kind of a weird looking, it's almost like a spinner board in a way, but, uh, I don't know. Then you got to put like your devil horns on the board. Like everyone who touches the board instead of, 
putting your 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 two fingers up front. Like you gotta put your devil horn two fingers on there for it to actually work. And then uh, you know it starts spinning like crazy, and then it kind of tells you yes or no or evil good, uh, you know that that type of shit. But uh, you know it's it's uh, I don't know if I'm all over the place. I'm just kind of going with the flow with <laughs> with what I think is cohesive is talking. So, uh, but no, I mean, you know, it's got some aspects, you know, that I personally can dig. Uh, it just, it doesn't, it does, it doesn't hit it out of the ballpark for me. I'll just say that like it, you know, I'm not hating on anybody that's worked on the film. I just feel like there were some aspects that could have been better. I don't know if it was the acting per se. I mean, I didn't really mind the acting. And a lot of the actors in this movie never really went on to do anything else. But, you know, I don't think that was the problem. I think there was a little bit of the storytelling and the lack of visuals of what could have happened. I think that was what kind of threw me out of you know, not loving this film. Like, I just, I kind of felt like those things were missing. But kind of coming back to, uh, the, the specs of this film, uh, from what I could gather, this took about, or took around like 400,000 to make. And it's unknown to my knowledge to how much it actually made in video sales. Cause I think this thing kind of went straight to video, but, uh, you know, 400,000 is quite a bit and uh you know like there's some really good uh snowmobiling stunts in this film like you know there there really is a lot of uh big aspects that go on in this film to make it kind of seem like it's you know not not a shot on video like low budget film like there actually is some like really good things that happen throughout this movie it's just it's just one of those movies that a lot of this information is just kind of unknown about it because sure it was made by like a you know a lower uh you know not lower but it you know this wasn't made by like a, a high blockbuster uh film company like warner or universal or you know all the mother f- film companies but uh you know, if you know they they put their money on a four hundred thousand dollar film, uh, I don't know. It it is kind of incredible because a lot of the film companies wanted everything filmed in like either California or on the East Coast somewhere, and this is just filmed in like Midwest Wisconsin. Um, you know, not a lot of uh, film companies were kind of doing that. I don't think. And, uh, I, you know, I thought the setting was perfect. I mean, you know, it kind of hits closer home to me because I can kind of relate to, uh, you know, the winter because, I mean, I'm, I'm affecting that right now in a way. Like, you know, we, we just got a blizzard going on here not that long ago and the, the roads are icy as hell. And, you know, on my past podcast, I was talking about, oh, I got my tires slashed 
from the ice. Like, you know, it's it was that brutal. Like, I actually had to get my tire replaced because it slit the side of my tire wide open, pretty much. Like, it's a miracle that my tire didn't go flat 100%, but I had to keep airing air in my tire because it was kind of getting lower and lower. But it happened on the inside of my tire to where I, you know, I didn't know that was the problem at first. So, you know, shit like that, like, this is crazy that, uh, you know, the winter elements does play a factor in the way you live, I guess. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this, but, uh, you know, I don't know if that adds a little bit more to uh, the the cruelness of like what happens throughout this movie but i mean it's it's just brutal man and uh you know i you know i can only imagine like what the actors and the crew went through having to uh, film a movie where you probably had to be like quiet and you know during filming process uh you know throughout this cold weather and you know there's some depictions in this film where the weather is just acting brutal to where they actually have to travel, uh, you know, so to speak, to to try to get help, and you know, I can I can only imagine it probably fucking sucked. <laughs> but um, moving on here, uh, this film was directed by Christopher Webster, and this was his only directorial debut film to date, I should say. Uh, I don't know if he's active nowadays. Uh, I think like the last thing he worked on was like in 2011, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, as, as far as, uh, horror films go and like anything that he's directed, this is probably it, but he has produced a lot of films and including some of your favorites, I'm assuming, or at least I should name off Hellraiser and Hell and Hellbound Hellraiser 2. I know some of those are, or the at least one of those two is probably someone's favorite film. But then he's also uh, produced Trapped Alive, Meet the Applegates, which Meet the Applegates has been sitting on my on my uh, movie stand for some time. I need to watch that fucking movie. It's been so long since I watched Meet the Applegates. It, I know it's not a horror film, but uh, it's just like it's one of those nostalgic childhood uh moments where i remember seeing meet the applegates on tv and you know seeing like the the praying mantis family on tv like seeing them transform and it's like what the fuck you know like, it, it just kind of messes with your mind so i i remember watching that as a kid and uh picked it up on vhs you know i never owned it as a kid but i remember watching it on tv somewhere and i was like it's just kind of like, what the fuck is that shit? Uh, but, you know, years later, I did find it on VHS, and it's just been sitting on my movie shelf behind my TV for a long time, and I need to I need to pop it in because I really want to revisit that and just kind of relive those moments of, of what the fucker, what the fuckery. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's one of the movies he produced. And then uh, he's also uh, produced The Inheritor, which uh, The Inheritor, Trapped Alive, and The Chill Factor, 
those are the three films that there's a lot of people that have worked on all three films. Uh, you know, if if you get wrapped up in the Blu-ray uh, release from Arrow, you can kind of, uh, you know, you hear a lot about those three films. The people involved in the three films have been involved in some shape or form. <laughs> um, but then, you know, all right, so coming back to Christopher, the director, uh, he's also produced Severed Ties. Heathers with Christian Slater, uh, Children of the Night, Mind Warp, to name a few. But uh, his latest producing credit was Seance: The Summoning in 2011, like I'd mentioned. And then he was he was also an actor in Trapped Alive 1988 as Rachel's husband. So he does have like one actor credit that's like horror. That, you know, I guess is worth mentioning. <sighs> Moving on. So, the writer of this film, Julian Weaver, who has also wrote Trapped Alive, and The Inheritor. He was also an actor in Severed Ties as a policeman. The music composer for this film was John Tattengorst. I believe that's how you say his name. And uh, the only other cool thing that he did was uh, the first episode in Batman, the animated series that I thought was cool. He did the, uh, you know, the composing music for the first episode. So that's got to be cool, right? Some of, the, some of the other shit, I, I'm i sorry. I, I'm more of like a horror, action, sci-fi coming guy. And some of the other stuff he did was like history type documentary shit. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to follow that on my podcast. But uh, whatever floats your boat, dude. Um, get on, Getting on to some of the good shit here. Jeffrey Siegel was in charge of uh, the makeup department, and he had a hand in the special effects makeup on this film. He's a cool dude, man. He's done a lot of cool shit, which I'll kind of uh, spiel off here, but he's done some shit that uh, I think you should know about. Uh, Some of his other work he's done, uh, uh, he's been a special effects uh, assistant on Reanimator. That's right, Stuart Gordon's Reanimator. He he worked on that fucking masterpiece. Uh, Special effects makeup on movies such as 555, which is a shot on on video film that uh, I'm sure some of you guys know about. And he also worked on Trap a lot, Trapped Alive, which uh, I think kind of played a part on getting uh, Hank Carlson on board for the show Factor because they both work together on Trapped Alive. So there's a little uh, tie-in there. Uh, then he also worked on Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. He did uh, some of the great special effects and makeup scenes for Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. But there's also something else that I thought was pretty cool that he had worked on. And it was the Are You Afraid of the Dark? The Tale of Orpheo's Curse from 1994. Which is a DOS and Macintosh video game. Sort of like a computer game from back in 1994. 
where he did special makeup effects on that. Which is pretty fucking cool, and I didn't even know it existed. But uh, further upon uh, research, uh, there is some gameplay of it on YouTube. So go look it up and check it on YouTube if you're curious about that. Because I didn't even know it existed. You know, I mean, I know that Are You Afraid of the Dark existed. But I didn't know there was a computer game. And, uh, I, you know, I just thought it was cool that... Uh, Jeffrey Siegel was a part of that, and, uh, you know, he's worked on some pretty badass horror films, so I, I just, I wanted to include that in this podcast, because that is some fucking cool information, right? <laughs> and I would love to get him on my podcast if I can. That would be so awesome to to talk to him about some of the, you know, some of those films they worked on and some more info on that are you afraid of the dark video game like that's that's pretty fucking awesome um moving on to uh hank carlson my man at the uh special effects who was like dude he was like 17 or 18 when he worked on uh like trapped alive and the chill factor because they kind of came out the same year uh, or at least that you know they were made like the same year. Uh, you know, like I had said before, like this one wasn't released till 1993, so this is it was made in like 1988, but then it sat on the shelf for like five years. But uh, you know, he was so he was you know pretty young when he made this, but he's gone on to do some some pretty badass shit too. Uh, you know, like like you said, he he had worked on Trapped Alive, which is another uh, Arrow video release. Look up Trapped Alive. That's one I haven't seen yet, but after watching this and seeing some little snippets in the interviews, like I gotta fucking check out Trapped Alive now. So Arrow video, you're at it again. You're fucking sucking me in on some of this horror, and I just can't get enough of it. But talking about Hank, he's worked on such films as Army of Darkness. That's right, Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell, Army of Darkness. And he's also worked on Amityville 1992. It's about time he did some, uh, I believe it was like uh, some miniature sets or some shit. Like he did some like miniature sets on that shit. Which is, which is pretty cool. I mean, that's a movie that don't really get talked about a whole lot. Uh, he worked on uh, Severed Ties, Mind Warp, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The Inheritor, Super Mario Brothers, the movie, which is, you know, I, I it, it might be like a cult classic nowadays because, you know, the time it was made and, you know, like there there's some things like... I guess people like my age, I would watch it because I fucking, you know, grew up with that shit. So, I don't know. It's it's pretty nostalgic for me, I guess. Um, and then uh, Alice in Deathland, which is a newer film. I haven't seen it before. And then uh, he is the creature creator for the movie called Deep Woods that is currently in post-production right now. Uh, and you know, he's also 
got a commentary track with one of his friends. I think his name's Josh Hadley on the Arrow video release of The Chill Factor. And he's also got an interview, you know, a deep in-depth, a deep in-depth interview on the Arrow video release. And he also provided the original VHS work print of this movie. And that VHS work print plays in its entirety on the Blu-ray. So that's pretty badass. I maybe watched like 15 minutes of it. But, you know, and I'm going to watch the whole thing pretty soon. But I just thought that was like really badass that they would include, uh, you know. So kudos to Arrow, man. Like, I, I really dig Arrow. They put out some really cool uh, releases. And I really dig some of the extras that they do put out. Including something like this where they're going to play the entire movie of The Chill Factor on their Blu-ray in the original VHS work print. So like whatever was on that VHS work print, that's what you watch. It like it's so cool to see the difference. You know, like you know, I would I would say watch what Arrow put out first. So you you know, you see you see it in all its glory in its uh like 2K scan. But then going to going back to seeing like the original VHS work print uh, you know, you can see like the difference of the audio, uh, you know, the camera is a little different, uh, just, you know, it's almost like watching a different movie, but not at the same time. Like it's just, it's kind of a cool, kind of a cool thing. Um, some other things that I want to point out was, uh, the first assistant editor Hakan over us, which I don't know if I butcher your name. I think he's a foreign fella. But uh, he was a line producer for The Lords of Chaos as well. Which I thought The Lords of Chaos was a badass movie. It's uh, a newer film with Macaulay Culkin's brother in it. uh, About uh, the band Mayhem. The black metal band Mayhem. And uh, just, you know, all the shit that went down with them. I... I thought that's a fucking badass movie. I don't know if it's considered a horror movie, but there's definitely some horror elements in it. Uh, you know, if you're into metal and horror, I think that that's a that's definitely a movie you need to watch. If you haven't watched it, check out Lords of Chaos. It's it's fucking badass. So it's, that's kind of just something crazy that I thought that uh, first assistant editor on the chill factor had worked on uh lord's chaos that's that's fucking chaos man uh cinematographer joseph friedman had also worked on the inheritor and as an assistant cameraman on the movie alice sweet alice starring brooke shields so you know i thought that was kind of cool to to throw in there as a little fun fact I know I'm kind of rambling on about some of the fun facts, but, you know, when you're talking about a particular movie, I kind of want to go through a little bit of the facts and and little trivia things if I, if I know any. Uh, otherwise, who wants to hear just me talk about the horror movie from start to finish? I mean, you kind of want to hear a little bit of the backstory and uh, anything, you know anything worth mentioning 
when you hear like a podcast, you know, I'm sure you're probably listening to this when you're at work or uh, on the road or, you know, not busy. I mean, you got to be pretty bored of your mind if you want to listen to me. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, with that being said, I just want to say like, you know, thank you to all the listeners that do put up with with my shit and uh and listen to me talk about horror movies like i i uh i really do enjoy hearing the feedback from you guys because i do get some positive feedback and uh you know i just want to say thank you for you guys for for taking time out of your day to listen to me like that that means the world to me and uh you know it definitely makes my day when when you reach out to me and you you know, you say that you like a particular episode or, you know, some, some positive things and, you know, talk about the things that some of the, the things that you did like about the episode, but enough of the little sentimental talk there. Uh, I should probably dive into the movie because it's almost 50 minutes into the show and I haven't really talked about what actually goes on in the movie uh in in better detail uh so i'm gonna start talking about the actual movie and and uh not all the people that have worked on it and kind of spilled off on that for a while so basically the 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 movie goes about uh it's based on this not really based but uh we start off with uh uh, Tom and his fiance Jeannie, which Jeannie kind of does the voiceover uh, narration for the beginning part, as uh, you know, you hear her as an older lady kind of talking, you know, about this was a, 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 a an event that happened in the past, so she's talking about it, and uh, and then you know we hear her at the very end to close the the movie but uh for starting off we hear her talking about uh her fiance tom and then uh uh they go on this uh uh, winter snowmobiling vacation in uh, wisconsin with uh, uh tom's younger sister karen and her boyfriend chris and then uh their friends ron and lisa tag along as well and uh this whole vacation is to celebrate Chris's birthday. And so uh, we get a cool shot of them uh, all snowmobiling to the cabin. Or uh, not the cabin, but uh, the tavern. And, uh, you know, it's I want to say it's hard to, to tell which ones are the professional snowmobilers and then, you know, which shots are the actors. But you can probably figure out who who the who the actors are on the snowmobile versus uh, the the uh, professional snowmobilers portraying the actors. Uh, so you know we we get a cool little montage, I guess, of uh, them snowmobiling and and messing around, and uh, then we end up getting. Uh, uh, to the tavern where they go into the tavern and you know this is a small town wisconsin um 
and uh, Lisa happens to be African American, so uh, you know, of course, they had to add in this uh, drunken racist man who, uh, you know, says some things towards her that you know probably shouldn't have been said. Like, uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna say the word, but he does say the N word towards her, and you know, I thought you know, even for this being early '90s film will actually record in the 80s that it's kind of ballsy to to put this in a in a movie but uh they did it anyways uh in regards to trying to make it more realistic in the sense that there you know there are some some idiots in these small towns that uh you know they 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 come off as racist or you know probably are racist and uh, when they don't see too many African-Americans in town, they will make an ass out of themselves and will probably say something. So I think that's the the uh, the reason why they put that in there. But, I mean, was it needed? Probably not. Um, just kind of poor taste. But, uh, you know, I think they just want to get the point across of, you know, it being a small town and, you know, there's always going to be one drunken asshole that will say something. So, uh, you know, there's an altercation because of it, and uh, uh, the drunk guy kind of uh, says something to her boyfriend, which she doesn't know it was her boyfriend at the time, but, you know, this big dude kind of stands in front of her and is kind of like, you know, why don't you leave her alone, and uh, and he kind of says a remark, and... Uh, you know, like, what are you, what are you, her boyfriend or something? And, or, uh, I don't know if that's what he said, but something about, uh, or maybe it's like the football thing, because I remember he said something about football, like, uh, what are you, a, a linebacker or something? And, uh, he's like, actually, uh, yeah, like, I, <laughs> I play for the Minnesota Vikings. I'm on the, the practice squad or some shit. And, and, uh, it's like okay, that's that's random, but uh, <laughs> uh, you know they get into an altercation where one dude pull tries to pull out a knife, and uh, one of the the friends of like uh, of Lisa uh, kind of grabs his arm or something like that, and pretty much makes the dude stab himself. Like I thought that was kind of fucking weird. I don't know why he just didn't, like, pull it out and then, like, do something where he stabs himself. Like, you don't really see the stabbing, but you know it happens when he pulls out his hand. It's all bloody and, and uh, you know, they pretty much get kicked out of there. And, uh, and old, old uh, Bessie, the waitress, apologizes for uh, that guy's behavior and, and buys him all a drink. And, uh... Uh, I forgot what one of the fucking dudes is kind of be a little flirtatious. Uh, I think it was all, you know, fun and games, but, uh, you know, right in front of his girlfriend, though, I thought it was kind of ballsy. But, uh, you know, I think things probably way different back then. And, uh, you know, I don't know if that was a, a realistic situation or not. But, uh, um, so after they, they, uh, they leave there. Uh, well, actually, before they leave there, we get, like, a, a weird situation where uh, Tom's actually grabbing his sister's ass. 
when uh, they go up to, uh, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> talk to, I think it was a waitress about, uh, uh, I forgot what the fuck they're talking about. I think it had something to do with what they're going to do next, like snowmobiling, if there's like any, uh, you know, places they could go or something. But like she says, like there's not really anywhere for miles or something like that. And uh, But they still plan on uh going out in the snowmobile and uh to go on some trails and uh and uh one of them ends up uh uh challenging tom or like <laughs> tom tom and uh i think chris end up uh uh challenging each other to a snowmobile race type thing but uh but anyways, you know, I thought it was kind of weird that, uh, you know, I was like, am I getting the characters right? Because I think Tom just grabbed his sister's ass, which kind of plays into uh, the story later on. There's, uh, I don't know if this was intended or not, but there seems to be some kind of incestuous innuendo, innuendo going on here that, uh, I don't know. I don't know if... Uh, if it needed to be in the movie or not, I mean, I guess to, to make it a little bit more, uh, sick and twisted, I don't know, but, uh, so anyways, uh, Tom and, I believe it's Chris, they, they end up, uh, racing alongside the lake, and, uh, Tom ends up crashing into a tree, and Tom's fucked up, man, like, he's still alive, though, I, I don't know how, but uh, he he hits his head pretty good, and uh, you know he's got some some uh, cuts and uh, uh, really really brutal uh, hand injury that we we will uh, see later on here pretty soon. And uh, Chris is a, a medical student, so uh, when they when they uh, catch up to him. Uh, Tom's sort of like not in a coma, but he's just he's still alive, but his body's in shock, and that he definitely needs to get some medical attention and some shelter for sure, because it's uh, pretty damn cold out there. And uh, quite frankly, it's really fucking cold right now for me outside. Uh, <laughs> um, Ron and, and uh, I think Karen end up uh so either Karen or Jeannie, I can't fucking remember. Um they end up kind of going ahead and trying to find, you know, any place but and uh they end up do do finding a uh an abandoned uh camp Saint Dominic, which is a religious summer camp, uh that's that was, uh, I guess, conveniently close by, even though there wasn't uh, supposed to be a place anywhere nearby. But here we are. There is a place. And so uh, they end up uh, getting uh, the the group back. And, uh, or they, you know, they get back to the group and they uh, say that there is a place. So they all end up at this uh, summer camp. And Tom's condition is getting worse. Uh, this is where we can see, we can see some 
some of the the battle scars of Tom, and uh, some of them are are pretty gruesome. And uh, he's you know obviously got a uh, uh, pretty pretty bad uh, scrape on his on his uh, head where you can see uh, you know part of his skull, and so they have to bandage that to uh, make sure it's not exposed. But uh, they all kind of just talk about, you know, what they're going to do. And uh, Ron decides that he's going to snowmobile through the night to seek help. And uh, so Ron leaves for help. And uh, Tom kind of comes back. and uh, But he's really weak. So he does uh, wake up from this. Um Then, uh, then we see Karen kind of rummaging through the the inside and uh, sees uh, numerous things of uh, of the camp's past, including like pictures and newspaper articles. And then they even find a uh, a Ouija board of some sort. It's not your average Ouija board. I think uh, we do learn in uh, you know it's 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 really bizarre how. Uh, Lisa would know what this is, but uh, <laughs> she ends up uh, saying something about that uh, that she had heard her grandma talk of, of voodoo and that she had seen something like this before, and it was called like the evil eye. I believe that's what it was called. And uh, so they all kind of sit around and... Uh, Jeannie doesn't really want to mess with the board, but uh, everyone else is like, well, come on, you know, so they, they talk her into trying to play the board, and uh, the instead of putting your two fingers on the board, you have to use, like, the devil horns, so everyone's got, like, the their little devil horn uh, fingertips on the board, and uh, and they're they're trying to play this, and it's just like, there's, like, a big spinner in the middle, and it's got like good, evil, uh, yes, no, you know, type stuff. And so uh, they're playing it. And uh, the spinner board just starts spinning really, really fast. And uh, during that is happening, Tom is kind of like doing some like, he's, his eyes are closed, but he's kind of doing like some like eye rolling. And you can see his eyes move. And he's just kind of... Uh, I don't know, going into convulsions, like just kind of like shaking his body really fast, and uh, and somehow this is how we know that he becomes possessed with a demonic entity of some sort. And uh, so while all this is going on, it uh, flashes back to Ron, and he crashes his snowboard into a fence, <clears throat> and is killed by the barbed wire hitting his throat and we see a really big uh deep cut on uh on his neck which if you watch the blu-ray you can see it a lot better than uh the vhs version uh not by much but uh you do get to see a little bit of of the gruesomeness and uh that's a way to fucking die man like that would suck and apparently this is something that does happen up there uh you know snowmobiling accidents where people do die from snowmobile accidents, it's it mostly occurs to uh, 
the driver being drunk and uh and crashing and not paying attention and uh and or because of uh just the visibility they couldn't see barbed wire fences and a lot of them do uh end up dying from hitting barbed wire fences and uh I don't know if anyone gets decapitated but you know you can get fucked up of a barbed wire fence you know fucking around your throat or your body at fast speeds you know I can only imagine that's <laughs> you know it's kind of a no-brainer that you're probably not going to survive that so uh you know Ron's Ron's dead RIP Ron uh, I, I give him mad props for the Minnesota Vikings hat. I thought that was pretty dope. But, uh, so now we're back to, uh, the remaining survivors. We got, uh, Karen and Chris decide to go off and, uh, and have sex. They start having passionate sex. And, uh, while Lisa's exploring the lodge and she, uh, ends up finding a newspaper clipping of a, satanic cult had uh, been taken over the camp where they're at and so she gets kind of freaked out and uh uh notices something something is uh something in the air is uh, unpleasant and uh this sort of like supernatural figure starts appearing is following her and and uh ends up corn cornering her in a pantry closet where the the entity is getting closer and closer and then all of a sudden we see like these big industrial fans uh slowly going towards her and uh pretty much just fucks her up cuts her up decapitates parts of her body all over the place we don't really see it all in detail, but we do see some of her body parts, uh, and then just, you know, blood everywhere. So it kind of just leaves you to your imagination to figure out what happens. Uh, so after, uh, Chris and, uh, Karen have their little quickie, which it was a quickie, <laughs> uh, Dude, Chris did uh, did not last long. So uh, uh, he he ends up uh, going to try to look for Lisa because they they can't find her, of course. And uh, so he he kind of goes outside and he kind of senses he's being watched, but uh, you know he's just he's still trying to find Lisa. So he goes outside. And this is where one of the coolest kill scenes happens where you see these big icicles up above start shaking. The entity is pretty much controlling those and breaking them off. And he sees one. He kind of gets out of the way. So he misses the first one. But while backing up, he trips and like slips on the ice, falls down, and then one right above him just drops right into his eye socket and it's <laughs> it's actually probably the best kill of the movie and uh this is this is the part where i thought they did a genius job with the um 
the lighting i thought uh at least showing up on the blu-ray version that the lighting was like very very well done in the sense of you couldn't really tell that was a fake prop for the most part and you know it just it looked very real when uh when the icicle dropped into his eye socket and uh just you know how they executed that whole uh piece to make it look like it was a real you know a real fucking icicle dropping through his eye i thought it was incredible and that's pretty much why i thought it was the best kill of the movie and it was definitely the most unique and uh original i've never seen anything like that before so uh if you're on the fence about watching this movie i definitely uh uh, recommend checking out this movie just for this kill. It's it's that good. So uh, we we come back to uh, Tom and Karen. You know, because Chris is a goner at this point, and uh, and Tom's kind of getting at Karen, insulting her, and uh, suggests that Chris had went to find Lisa to cheat on her. This is where uh, Jeannie notices Tom's not really acting himself. He's kind of acting a little... He kind of has like a little sinister act to him. And just kind of, you know, out of the norm kind of attitude. Like how, you know, if a demon possessing your body would kind of act. And so uh, Tom tells Jeannie to remove the bandages from his hand and head. And finds that the wounds are now miraculously healed. And uh and so this is where uh Tom and Jeannie start having sex. The two of them are are going at it. It's this one uh, seemed like a little a little more into it than uh, the last couple. And uh and while this is going on, Karen, Tom's sister, is being hung in a volleyball net while exploring the gymnasium. Uh, she gets caught up in there and, uh, you know, she she gets hung from there. So this is all kind of going on while uh, Tom and uh, Jeannie are going at it. And so it flashes back to, to them. And uh, after they get done having sex, you see Tom kind of brushing his fingers on her back and you see that his nails are super long like like demonically long and uh this is where i thought you know it was a little let down for for being a horror demonic satanic type of movie um all we really get as far as like we don't really get any cool looking demons like their bodies never really transform besides the fingernails and then just kind of this sinister act just you know the you know they just act different than how they normally would so that was a little let down for me i mean look in hindsight i guess i mean i i get it but you know if you're gonna go for like night of the demons in the winter time you might as well just fucking go all out, you know. But I mean, what do I know? I'm just I'm just your average horror fan, I guess. But but yeah. So the next morning, Jeannie finds uh, her friend's corpse outside, 
and uh, you know she sees uh, Chris with the icicle is freaking out, and then she goes back to get Tom and notices that he's missing. And so she goes to the Ouija board because she doesn't have anyone else to go to because everyone's dead. And uh, she seeks answers from the Ouija board. And it tells her that Tom is her enemy. And that she has to leave. Which is the obvious part is, well, yeah, she, you know, <laughs> Tom's the fucking demon. So you got to get the fuck out of there. So, uh as she's trying to leave, she sees, uh, you know, she kind of looks through the window and uh, sees Tom cloaked in some kind of ceremonial uh, cloak robe type thing and is knelt, uh, in, you know, uh, in front of these photographs of the camp's past visitors. So it's kind of like this little ritual. And uh, so she's like, fuck this, I'm out of here. So she runs to her snowmobile and uh tom is catching up to her and of course we get one of those tension built scenes where she can't start the snowmobile uh you know or it seems like maybe she won't get away but you know of course at the last second it pops off she takes off before tom can grab her and uh so tom gets on ron's crash snowmobile Somehow it's still working. It's all beat up, but it still runs. And so he is chasing her across the, the lake and the trails. And uh, it comes to a climatic end when uh, Tom crashes into a snowplow. Like one of those big old like tank-wheeled looking uh, snowplows that you'd see... Uh, uh at like uh snow uh ski resorts and uh crushes crushes tom you see a cool part of uh his skull getting crushed and uh and you know it causes the snowmobile to explode and tom's being burnt alive but he kind of gets up and uh but you know it pretty much he's he's done for and he gets pretty much crushed and burnt up and genie still is like fuck this i'm out of here she takes off on her snowmobile before the sheriff could arrive and she's just gone and so the sheriff kind of shortly goes after her but as this is going on uh this is where genie does her little narration from 30 years in the future and she recalls the event explaining that she does or she had revisited the black friar lake and found the camp was uh merely set in ruins and it but it hit, it had been burnt down decades before um and you know she expresses that she regretted ever taking part of that Ouija board but uh you know curiosity gets the best of her and that's pretty much the end um one thing with the narrator uh she sounds like a, a raspy smoker lady so 
You know, Jeannie couldn't have been older than 30 years old, so, you know, this would have put the old lady in, like, you know, possibly 50s, 60s at the most, and just hearing that raspy voice that kind of sounds like a lady would be, like, in her 70s or 80s, uh, just my opinion. I just, I thought maybe they could have gotten uh, a voice actor to do the acting that would maybe be a little bit more believable instead of, you know, going for the over-the-top smoker old lady kind of voice. But, I mean, it it's whatever. It's the chill factor, man. That's, I guess that's, it's all part of this chill factor, right? So, whew, that's, that's the end of chill factor, um, you know, I, do I recommend this movie? Um, you know, if you're looking for, uh, a horror movie set in the winter time that, uh, you know, it, it's kind of a slasher, but it's, you know, it's a demonic possession movie at the same time. So, you know, you, you never really see too many, uh, possession winter movies and especially with the snowmobiles i mean the snowmobiles uh scenes are are pretty fun to watch and it, you know it's something you don't really get to see a whole lot in a horror movie i never really see snowmobiles a whole lot in some of these uh horror movies that i watch but uh so you know it has some uniqueness to it and some of it is original um and you know it's I want to say it's hard to find because it's free on Tubi now, but before then, you know, good luck trying to find a copy on VHS. And, uh, you know, Arrow Video's release uh, on Blu-ray is pretty reasonable priced. Uh, like I said, I got mine when it was on sale, so, uh, you know, technically it cost me a little under 10 bucks, brand new for the sale, which is an incredible price otherwise you're probably looking at like you know around 20 bucks or so which that ain't bad either but you know it's it's one where you know if you like a, a obscure demonic winter time horror movies then uh check it out there's not there's not really that many made that kind of fit this niche of uh <laughs> of a genre so I, you know, for nothing else, I mean, just the uniqueness of the scenarios and whatnot, like I had just talked about, I, I say check it out. And so that's about it for the chill factor. Um, I do have a, uh, a guest, which is, this is kind of my first time having a guest for the Rude Horror Music Corner. Um, shortly I'll be, uh, playing the interview I had with Roach, the guitarist from Pestilent Age. And, uh, we talk a little bit about horror movies and talk about, uh, their newest EP a little bit. And then, uh, I will play their song called Transgressions. And, uh, I just want to say thank you all for, uh, listening to the show and uh, I want to give a special shout-out to Sam Tadell for becoming a new supporter. I uh, really appreciate your support, brother. And uh, if there's a movie or a topic that you'd like me to uh, talk about in the future, just send me a message, man, and I will uh, try to get that set up. <laughs>
And if you would like to become a supporter, uh, just go to the anchor.fm forward slash root horror podcast website. And uh, there is a supporter section on there where you can donate at least 99 cents a month if you would like or more. Uh, Totally optional, but, uh, you know, I'll give you a shout out on the show if you do and give you the option to pick a topic. Uh, for me to talk about on the show, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to work on, uh, some, some better perks for my supporters because, uh, you know, I really appreciate you guys' support. Um, it's kind of limited on, uh, some resources right now, but, uh, you know, hopefully things will get better here in the future. And, uh, I'm going to have, uh, some guests up on the show pretty soon. And I uh, look forward to uh, for that to happen. Uh, I was hoping to maybe get a uh, a woman who has worked on uh, or worked in the horror genre to uh, do an episode with me in February for being a uh, Women in Horror Month, like uh, like I did last year. But uh, kind of running low on uh, <laughs> options. I mean, I would say options, but. Uh, uh, I don't know. I just I haven't really uh, had any uh, females wanting to come on my show. So if you're a lady in the horror genre that would like to come on the show, just uh, hit me up and we'll try to get uh, you on the show and, and talk about whatever that you do <laughs> within the horror genre. So, but with that said, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be bringing back Matt Awkward from the Funbox Monster Podcast, and we're going to be talking about the Jim Wynorski classic hard to die. So, uh, get, get ready for that one. That one's kind of hard to find. Um, uh, the VHS community. If, uh, if you know, you, if you have that movie, this is a perfect time to, to rewatch that one and then listen to the show. Otherwise there is uh, a rip on YouTube. I don't know how long that'll be up for. But uh, there is, uh, I mean, it's it's okay quality, but it is a hard-to-find movie. So best bet is maybe to watch it on YouTube. And uh, and then you can just hear us yak about uh, Hard to Die and talk about uh, women in horror for this month of February. So stay tuned for that. Um, also, next coming coming up on the on the show for, like, my solo episodes, I'll be talking about um the movies the toxic avenger that'll be coming up uh i'm hoping sometime in march and uh you know i'll be talking about zombie three lucio fulci's uh partial direct directorial uh sequel to zombie zombie two however you want to call it um which i don't know which one's going to go first either zombie three or um toxic avenger but uh those two are for sure coming up and then you know like i said the episode with hard to die is gonna be coming up in february uh before february ends i hope fingers crossed but uh yeah so things are looking forward for the rude horror podcast so uh stay tuned and uh you can follow me on instagram facebook at rude horror podcast uh, I'm also on Twitter at Rude Horror Pod, which I really 
don't get on there a whole lot, but I mean, it's there if you are a Twitter user. Otherwise, I mainly stick to Facebook and Instagram. Um, you can also email me at rudehorror at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, if wherever you listen to me on your podcast, if you can give me a five-star rating, uh, that'd be awesome of you and much appreciated. So without further ado, let's get to the Brood Horror Music Corner. So now we're moving on to uh, the Rude Horror Music Corner with a special guest, Roach from Pestilent Age. Uh, First off, uh, how you doing, Roach? Uh, I'm doing awesome, man. I'm just waiting out a snowstorm, uh, drinking some coffee. Awesome, right on. I I got a, a little energy drink here, trying to wake up this morning and get ready to shovel some snow. <laughs> But uh, I thought it'd be awesome to uh, have you on and, and talk a little bit before I uh, uh, showcase your guys' song, Transgressions. Um, just maybe a few questions uh, about, like, the horror genre. Like, uh, what, uh, what, are, what are some good horror movies that you've seen lately? Well, um, for me personally, I like uh, a lot of underground horror and um, anything that uh, fits more to the uh, conventional horror genre, uh, I guess, is uh, mostly old school stuff. Uh, all the Hellraisers, um, Friday the 13th, uh, all the Jason movies, um, personally. And then uh, when it gets into uh, underground uh, horror, um, there's films like uh, like Fang, uh, uh, Fang Boner. Um, just like underground, almost like uh, horror comedy, man. That's that's really what I really, what I like. Uh, the uh, uh, whole aspect, of the army of darkness, kind of like horror, um, was uh, is what I personally get into. Right on, yeah, I, I love that movie as well. It's a great one. It's a great one. So uh, before we kind of got on the show here, you talked a little bit about that you've worked with some special effects, uh, gore effects. Uh, was it is a guy or crew for uh, an upcoming music video? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a guy named James Bell that uh, we're about to uh, uh, actually work with. Um, and our next uh, music video that we're about to shoot is for a song called Unwavering Futility. And if you look at our album cover, I think uh, I got one right here. Um, there's a woman that's uh, getting her eyes gouged out and uh, we're going to hopefully bring that to life on camera. Um, maybe actually a little bit of a beheading too. Uh, we got to have our actress um, go down to the Detroit area and uh, uh, have her uh, head like silicone or whatever so that we can get all the props made and whatnot. We're, we're really excited about it. Wow. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I hope, I hope you can bring that uh, uh, album cover to life on uh, in the music video. <laughs> you think there'll be like a yeah. like a like a censored version or like an uncut version like is it gonna get really bloody um yeah 
Uh, yeah, I imagine that things are going to be really bloody. Um, there might even be like some nudity in it. We're, we're actually talking like as, uh, uh, after everything gets shot on whether or not we want to do like an alternative version so that maybe hopefully YouTube doesn't like censor it or Facebook doesn't censor it and like bury it in their algorithm. And then mm -hmm. also like a completely uncut version that we can throw up on our website and whatnot. Um, cause we do want, uh, absolutely as much gore as possible and whatever we're able to edit into our video that's like just nasty we we really want to go all in on that. heck yeah like the guy james bell he's uh got a company called very fine crap videos and uh some of the work that he's done man is awesome his uh his uh amputation scenes that, that he's worked on and uh some of his beheading scenes just look really really gruesome wow yeah i have to uh look up look him up and, and check out his work. Uh, very crying or wait, what was it? Very fine crap productions. Yeah. Very, very fine crap videos. Um, oh, okay. and, uh, this guy also like if, uh, if any fans of, uh, any kind of horror want to pick anything up, this guy just like sells different horror props that are the most realistic looking things I've ever seen in my life. Just on his website. Like, you want to pick up a box full of like rotten vaginas or an arm <laughs> or two? <laughs> just, just what I want to add in my collection. Rotten like, vaginas. Floppy bucket of wop. <laughs> well, hey, man. Uh, the music video for Transgressions uh, dropped not that long ago, and... I think it's badass, and uh, I listened to your guys' whole album and then some of your uh, previous albums, and I just think you guys kick ass. Oh, thank you, man. Uh, yeah, we're constantly progressing. We're trying to uh, get a little bit better, a little bit more brutal with uh, every uh, album that we did. This last uh, Unwavering Futility EP, uh, it was a little bit more back to the basics, kind of like caveman sludge riffs in there, but uh, yeah, um, we're really happy with it. Yeah, man. Yeah, and hey, there's nothing wrong with that uh, old primitive caveman sludge style. Uh, I I still dig that stuff. You know, metal metal records it, they don't have to be super technical every time and try to outdo each other. Um, even though you know it's 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 cool. You know, I don't mind technical stuff, but I mean, there's nothing wrong with just shredding some. You know. Not basic metal, but I mean, it you know, it doesn't have to get all technical and still be brutal. Right, right, yeah. Um, we like to have some songs that like push our boundaries or whatever, but um, we were really trying to mess with like a bunch of like different genres uh, previously with some singles that we released, and we really just wanted to get back to the basics with this and like uh, like old school like dying fetus and stuff, where it's just a, have those really heavy chugs. I something about that style of music has always really spoken to me. Heck yeah, man. I, I can dig it. I can dig it. Um, are you uh, a fan of like uh, old school, like universal monsters? Like, do you have a favorite universal monster or, or universal monster film? Uh, I, I, uh, I guess like the invisible man's pretty decent. Um, I haven't seen like a, a whole lot of that genre, uh, specific genre. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Invisible Man's pretty good. Like if you know, if you look back on like the aspect of like oh, uh, like how they made him, you know, like how they're able. Oh, to I do didn't the even. I, I what's up? 
I uh, I literally just looked up all uh, uh I, I literally looked up that whole genre. I didn't know that uh that all these different monsters have um uh like fit into the genre because like I've seen like a million uh uh Dracula movies. Uh, I've read the original Bram Stoker stuff, and I've seen the uh read uh Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. I've I had the original uh Frankenstein actually like right sitting over here on my desk. Oh, right on, right on. Yeah, I, I, I'm a sucker for all that kind of stuff. The, I like uh, the the innovation. Hey, go ahead, man. <laughs> oh, just the the uh, the innovations and practical effects that uh, those people had to come up with because they were limited with what they could do te- te- technologically uh, mm-hmm. is something that's always fascinated me, and it's really exciting to uh, to really see people that have to be innovative and in the things that they come up with to, to solve problems. Right. Yeah. In you know, uh, looking back at like uh, the times that they had made those films and just, you know, with probably the limited resources and just, you know, things had never been done before, uh, you know, looking back to not, you know, to present time and just how much that the horror genre has grown and changed. And, you know, you're starting to see we're in an age where, it seems like anybody can pick up a camera and make a film, you know, more or less even a horror film. And it's almost like, you know, the, the uh, independent amateur filmmaker is almost like uh, just able to, to do a lot of stuff that like, even like universal monsters, uh, you know, the people that did those movies back then were able to do, and uh, and they they were on a very big budget back in the day, so it's it's kind of crazy to see just how much has evolved over time. Right? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm hoping that uh, with this next music video, even that we did, you know, um, we're obviously like a local band from here, uh, Pestilent Ages, and we don't have like all the big budget resources in the world, and um. The stuff that this guy uh, that I was uh, bragging about that James Bell guy can do from the very fine crap video productions is just absolutely amazing. I mean, some of that stuff is like uh, like, you know, Clive Barker uh, style effects that are just really practical, like those original Hellraiser movies that um, that, oh, yeah. uh, that just look really gory and grotesque. And hopefully we'll just stand the test of time because uh, yeah. I like, you know, good practical effects. You know, if you go back 20, hopefully we'll will look good, look real, and hopefully it'll make people cringe. Heck yeah. In a yeah. good way, <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that uh, I'm I'm very glad that uh, that you guys are going like the whole practical effects route because, you know, the horror genre uh, and like practical effects, just they go together so well. And it just it looks so much better on camera when it is practical effects because uh you know the, we're getting into the age of cgi where right. it, it's not getting like it's starting to get better but i mean the, it, i still get thrown out of the cgi stuff when like you know like kills happen and you see like fake computer imaged blood splatter and it's just like it just it doesn't like feel real to me when I watch these movies, but you know, with practical effects, it, right? Yeah, it, 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 uh, it doesn't. 
I'm sorry, what was that? Oh, uh, yeah, uh, lo- uh, exactly what you were saying. Like, um, sometimes those CGI effects, they don't uh, have that kind of gravity that uh, practical effects might have. And uh, it's also, when you have practical effects, it's like things for the actors or actresses to uh, actually interact with on set instead of uh, um, just, you know, trying to make everything up just via their imagination, you know? Right. Just right. giving somebody that little prop can, like, reaffirm characters right that much better i think yeah yeah like green screens like you have to pretty much like i I would say that would be even harder to do because you have to imagine that whatever is there interacting with you cgi wise you you know like i I just can't imagine you know it, it that that way just doesn't seem more organic to me like you know like you know picking up a severed arm or something like that like I don't know if that's a good example, but, you know, being able to interact, you know, physically with, with a prop is, uh, you know, I think adds a lot, lot to, uh, the acting wise. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's not even horror, but, um, anytime that you like see any, any clips from somebody that's like in the Marvel universe or whatever, and they're on, on set, uh, you know, it's like, an entire room of just green screen with like nothing around them. And it just, uh, you can, you can tell honestly, when you watch those films, I feel like, you know, that Mm -hmm. there was just an empty room full of green. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, what, what are some of your, uh, favorite horror films? Like what are some films that, uh, just never get old for you that you can just revisit over and over? Honestly, uh, like I was saying uh, before, uh, like any uh, um, any of the Hellraiser movies, but uh, any of the Evil Dead movies, uh, well, any of the original Evil Dead movies, the the Evil Dead's one, two, and the uh, Army of Darkness. I I've, I've only seen the the remake like once. Um, uh, Rob Zombie's horror movie remakes have been okay, but uh, I personally haven't been a big fan. Uh, a ton of people I know though like. Uh, I'll like love every single remake of uh, anything that Rob Zombie's done or have been House, House of a Thousand Cor- uh, Corpses fans, but mm-hmm. I've never uh, hopped on that boat. Yeah. You know, like with Rob Zombie, uh, I didn't mind House of a Thousand Corpses. I thought that one was probably his strongest uh, as a filmmaker. And then, you know, just some of his other stuff have been hit or miss for me. Um, I don't know. I, I think Lords of Salem might be a little underrated. Like, it's just, it really has an unsettling tone throughout the whole movie. But, uh, you know, some of these other ones, like uh, his newest, like, Three from Hell, I thought was just, it was just, like... Uh, devil's rejects like there's nothing different really about it just maybe a different setting but uh yeah the the lord of salem rob zombie really did step outside of his uh his his normal box a little bit with that movie i felt like the the pace of it was was a little slower as well um well hey hey man uh is there anything else you'd like to uh talk about horror wise or we can kind of just talk a little bit about metal if you want 
I mean, we could talk about metal. I'm uh, uh, honestly, from somebody that runs a horror podcast, like uh, what kind of underground horror are uh, are you finding yourself getting into? Because I like really love um, the whole idea behind uh, any kind of like avant-garde uh, uh, genre of movie or anything that's like uh, self-produced or whatever, like anything that doesn't have a major label behind it so that somebody can have an original idea. Right. Um, well, like I've, I've been really getting into like uh, releases from like arrow video and vinegar syndrome uh, titles. Uh, they, they tend to go for like some really obscure titles that maybe, you know, has has not been uh shown in like the what would you call it like uh like the mainstream horror stuff so like i like to try to find like i mean i know rare is such a cliche word but like just horror movies that really haven't been seen by a lot of people i guess i don't know i mean that might even sound stupid but just like you know titles that I never, you know, I guess I would never uh, just, you know, look look up a whole lot. But, uh, like, uh, I'm really getting into, like, a lot of Italian horror films. And, like, uh, just I'm trying to watch, like, as much, like, Lucio Fulci films as I can. That, like, try, I try to find the ones that don't get talked a whole lot about. And, uh you know, I, I like those type of movies. Um, and just, you know, like, again, like practical effects. I, I try to find movies that uh, have a lot of, you know, practical effects, goriness, um, which uh, the movie that I'm talking about on this episode, uh, The Chill Factor, also known as Demon Possessed, it's uh, a movie uh, made in Wisconsin and they filmed in like negative 20 degree weather. So we got like a team of special effects people working in like, you know, super cold temperatures and they're pulling off some like really great practical effects. And uh, in the, in some of the interviews they've had to change the way that they've did, they've done special effects just because of the change in temperature. So like some of the latex, stuff and like the fake blood that they had to use uh you know they had to change it up a little bit because of you know it was like freezing before it you know uh would maybe like you know drip blood yeah, or something. They can actually, like, and uh so i mean like stuff like that was is uh was pretty cool to watch um disappointingly though there isn't a whole lot of uh practical effects in the movie but the but the stuff that is there is like very good and i just i only imagine that they were limited on what they could do just because of the temperatures they were working in but you know i like the you know horror films that have really good practical effects that's really what i try to to venture forth and watch uh low budget high budget like even like the prowler i think that's a really good uh uh 80s slasher film um 
yeah, I'm I'm a sucker for a good slasher film too. <laughs> but uh yeah, man. That's it's kind of the stuff that I have you uh have you ever by chance heard of a uh, a company called Rock Bottom Video? I think I've heard of them. It sounds familiar. They're uh, they're like a very 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 uh low budget horror uh film company that's actually out of Michigan. Um I know it's like I think I think it's like Royal Oak area and whatnot. Uh, but uh, they've got a couple of uh, it's almost like horror comedy, like Gay for Prey was one of them. The uh, Erotic Adventures of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I haven't seen those ones yet. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'd recommend anybody check those out, especially like man, if you uh, you got some time that you're trying to kill on an afternoon, and a couple bowls to smoke, dude. I'd I watched some of those films. They're the, they're pretty good. <laughs> right on. A uh, a couple uh, buddies from my local area, <clears throat> excuse me, have uh, made a, a zombie movie, which hopefully it's coming out on uh, Blu-ray DVD, you know, fairly soon, maybe within a couple months. I would I would hope, but uh, I'm not gonna get my hopes up too much. They're just having trouble uh, with the master disc. But uh, it's called Spring Fever, and uh, it's it's a really fun, like horror comedy movie that has a lot of elements like action, you know, like the silly zombies. There's a uh, a group of hippies and they're smoking, and uh, I don't want to spoil too much, but we uh, we see uh, zombie puppets and uh, just. The, the weed that they smoked made them hallucinate, I'll say. And they, so, you know, you're watching the actors as puppets for a little while and it's, it's pretty hilarious. And uh, there's, you know, there's lots of blood and gore in it. And it's uh, one of the last uh, films that Robert Czar uh, had a role in, who was a maniac cop. He was like, you know, widely known as a uh, maniac cop. And uh, yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. I I, I play a zombie extra in it, so you may might see me for like five to eight seconds or something like that, and then that's <laughs> that's uh, you know that that's my starring uh, appearance. But uh, it was a lot. It's a lot of fun. And uh, how much uh, how much makeup did you have to uh, have to put on to to make that happen? Well, uh, the guy who did the makeup, uh, he had put, um, I think it, it took like in between like a half hour to an hour to apply the makeup. And, uh, my, it was like full, full makeup down to like my neck, my face. He even gave me like, I ripped my shirt and he actually applied, uh, like a gash on my arm. So I had some like uh, latex appliance. And uh, I don't know if you can really see that in the movie, but we had done that just because, you know, I didn't want to just have a little bit of authenticity. Yeah. Just kind of make it look like, you know, I was in a scuffle at, you know, some point maybe trying to fight for my life or something, you know, some backstory to it. But uh, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun to film and, uh, and just to be a part of that. Uh I really wanted like Dawn of the Dead, uh, kind of like Lucio Fulci zombie, like somewhere in between there. 
And so I think he more or less did me up like uh, like a zombie from Dawn of the Dead, which I'm fine with. But uh, but if if you look and you watch the movie, a lot of the zombies just had like very basic makeup. It was almost like you're watching a trauma zombie movie. And uh, but then like a few zombies had like really good makeup. <laughs> so like I think it was all all of a matter of like how you wanted to get made up. So like for me saying like Dawn of the Dead, he, you know, I think I kind of stand out a little bit just because I actually have a lot of makeup on and, and, uh, you know, and then some of them just had like basic, like blood around their eyes or something, you know, just (laughs) really goofy looking, but, uh, it's a really fun zombie movie and, uh, I'll send you the trailer link over if if you're interested in in uh, checking it out, it's 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 a fun horror zombie film if you're into that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm down. Um, with this new like video, I'm uh, probably about to get put into uh, makeup for uh, for gore and stuff for the first time myself. So I'm kind of interested to see like what that transformation kind of entails. Yeah, yeah, just. A lot of patience and, uh, you know, so, uh, sometimes they'll apply some stuff to like your teeth to make it look like black and, and nasty. And that stuff kind of gets a little tacky and uh, tastes a little funky. So just a heads up that <laughs> you, you might endure some, some stuff that uh, you wouldn't even think that you would probably have to go through. But uh, yeah, man. What uh, what was the uh, process like making uh, the music video for Transgressions? Because there's a lot going on, and you guys are just decked out in the white and black makeup. Uh, what what was it like working on the Transgressions music video? Uh, working on the Transgressions music video was actually really cool because uh, uh, Jeff King uh, from Abstract Eclipse Productions to really like mastermind the whole thing he was like super professional and um he really made sure that everybody in the band kind of was like aware of like what we were trying to achieve like with each shot and like how everything was laid out so that we we had like a little bit of a sense of direction i guess and uh it really helped everything like look really professional and so now with this next music video we have like what band shot should look like we're going to try to uh, kind of install a story narrative on top of that and uh, really just challenge ourselves. Right on, right on. Well, Hey man, I, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to your guys' next music video and uh, the albums kick ass. Oh, thanks man. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I could hear uh, uh, most of that. And uh, yeah, dude, thank you. I'm, I'm glad that we like the, uh, that you like the, uh, the music video and, we've got a hell of a lot more coming um we're really just ramping up what we can do musically and and visually right on um so like for the the listeners on my show uh where can they go to pick up the new album and uh and find your guys' social media oh yeah uh we have a, a website pestilent666.com um and uh, if you Google Pestilent Age, our band name, um, we'll have a Facebook on there, Instagram. Like, there's no other Pestilent Age death metal band out there or anything. So, uh, 
type our name into a search bar and it'll be nonstop just us coming up. You know, iTunes, Spotify, our website, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We got stuff people don't even use anymore, like Reverb Nation. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, Roach, uh, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me. And uh, for the listeners out there, stay tuned for Transgressions. <laughs>